Welcome to Emergo Radio, a place where a brain-first lifestyle matters, a place of impact and inspiration, a place where your hosts, Dave Kenny and Susan Kenny, coach you to rise above. Hi, friends, and welcome to Emergo Radio. My name is Dave Kenny. Emergo Radio is a place where we explore how a brain-first approach to health, recovery, and well-being is a proven game changer because if you change your brain, you change your life. I'm excited to have you join me today. And so now let's rise above. On today's show here on Emergo Radio, I'm very honored to be with Kevin E. West, a true Hollywood insider, educator, teacher, coach, author, actor, and comic sports enthusiast, uh, kind of the renaissance man, Kevin. And uh, <laughs> uh, so Kevin has been working as an actor in Hollywood since 1990. His credits include Aquarius, Criminal Minds, Bones, Castle, CSI Miami, 24, Desperate Housewives, NCIS, Judging Amy, NYPD Blue, The X-Files, Melrose Place, your favorite young and the restless, bold and the beautiful, and the long-running Matlock are just a small sampling, and I mean a small sampling of his many credits, which also include two years as stand-up comic and improv artist. So we we may have to hang on, folks, because when Kevin gets going, he gets going, but he comes from Nashville, Tennessee. He plays any sport with a scorecard or a ball, six-time participant in a men's senior baseball world series. Never heard of that. I got to learn about that, along with playing a lot of Texas Hold'em at a very high level. And he's also run the LA Marathon four times and has played collegiate golf. Not long into his career in LA, Kevin created the Actors Network, and the Actors Network is the most recognized, trusted, industry-endorsed actors business organization in the United States. He was featured as a keynote speaker at a prominent Hollywood educational event held at the Writers Guild of America, and he does continue to speak nationally and internationally. And on on top of all that, somehow he found the time to be a best-selling author, The Seven Deadly Sins for Actors and to Overcome in Their Business, and most recently, Kevin's Dictionary Life in a Word. Kevin, welcome to Emergo Radio. Wow. I'm I'm tired after all that, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and that's the edited version. I mean, you keep pretty busy, my friend. Well, that's uh as they like to say, it's not the years, it's the miles, right? <laughs> so uh, we came across each other in another podcast, and um you certainly are break the mold of my typical guest here, and yet I love this because I want to dive into um, helping people understand that what you teach even to actors in their life and their business and how much crossover that is into just regular life, teachers, being a mom, whatever that is, and, and you have such breadth of knowledge. I, I'm just I'm excited for you to share some of that. Oh, well, I appreciate it. And I'm, and I'm happy to be here and thrilled. And I appreciate you inviting me on because um, for a very, very long time in my life, aside from, as I like to call myself, uh, the Hollywood redneck and being a goofball, uh, <laughs> I have spent a, a great deal of my life um, working to help others uh, if it's possible. And I don't obviously mean that in any kind of an arrogant way. I want to be clear that I myself have, have been to therapy on more than one occasion. So um, I don't say that in a way other than simply a desire to do such. And the irony of what you said, Dave, about about um, sort of what my book is about and related to acting, my sister could not be more different from me in terms of personality. 
Uh, and to that end, she actually is the person who edited my uh, acting book, which is, you know, based on the premise of the seven deadly sins. And when she finished editing it, she actually said to me the same thing you just said. She said, geez, Kev, you know, this, this book is, she said, this book is for life. It's not just for acting. And I said, yes, I know. <laughs> so, because, you know, actors are people and they are people hired to portray people just using someone else's words. So, you know, to make too much of a separation psychologically or emotionally, um, just from what an actor may face to what a person may face, um, is, is probably a bit of a misstep and false there. It's, uh, it's ultimately the same thing. We just use different words. Well, I'd never thought of it. And I, I heard you speak about this and I've read your writings on this, but acting is a very subjective business makes a lot of sense. You go, you know, you for a casting and you, you go, you know, read a script. It's a real subjective business. And, and, a lot of the people that I have the honor to work with, my team is the honor to work with, come to us and are always focused on what others think. And they got to make everybody or try to make everybody happy. They're not grounded. So let me start right there. I'm going to jump right in that. How do you help people in your business and in your industry handle such a subjective business? And obviously, they must get a lot of no's. So, so how, do they, how do you help people through that? Well, I have a couple of different techniques, and I'm gonna, you're, Dave. You'll probably have to pull me back a little bit because I don't, um, I don't want to talk too fast. But at the same time, I want to make sure that I get a complete answer in for you because, with regards to our business, one of the ways that I started a long time ago, and I want to premise this by saying, uh, preface this by saying, I, I am a, um, I'm a Pisces, and it, for whatever jokes anybody does or doesn't have about. Um, about astrology or whatever, the general premise of that is that, you know, Pisces are, you know, fairly sensitive people, and I am. But at the same time, Hollywood has never offended me. That's actually something that's in my book, because Hollywood is exactly what it tells you it is. It's a multi-billion dollar business in which people are basically bought and sold. The difference is, is that the black and white or the math and science, as I've said for years, about why someone gets hired or why this or why that just simply isn't that clear. And the irony is one of the books, uh, one of my upcoming books is, is on dating. I've been wanting to write it for 20 plus years. And yet when I speak, Dave, about the answer to your question, I always use a dating analogy. You know, how do you, how do you tell somebody how to find chemistry in another person? I used to make a joke that if I had a formula to basically match anybody and it was a guarantee that they would be lifelong in love and it would be blissful, you and I would be having this conversation not on one island, but four or five other islands that I could have afforded to bought with all the money that I did with the patent that I got on that idea. Um, <laughs> but unfortunately, you don't have that idea. And so I use the analogy of dating a lot when it comes to being an actor. And the first thing to, that I try and I've always worked towards with actors to get them to see is to understand that just as they are right now, how tall you are, how skinny, how fat, if you're a female, how big or not your chest is, none of these things actually matter. I, they're all simply what your product is. And if you put down on a table, Dave, your cell phone and some keys and uh, some chapstick and some sunglasses and a pen, basically all I would tell somebody in Hollywood is, okay, so the glasses are a six foot three African-American male and the keys are a 25-year-old Asian female who's 5'1". We're all just different products, just like when you go to the store. What do you happen to be looking for that day? Is this a Diet Pepsi day? I'm not trying to sponsor anybody, but I'm just saying you look on the wall 
from shampoo to hairspray to everything else, different shapes, sizes. Well, that's your analogy to being an actor. And you need to spend more time focused on exactly what your product is and where you know it can fit in the marketplace as opposed to what product you aren't. And so the best way I can answer you in terms of my business and what I have done for years in private consultations and in my public speaking uh, thousands of hours is to do exactly that, is to simply say to someone that, um, there you go, you, you, ha- you, you are what you are. And you, you've got to learn how to view that in the marketplace and use it to the best of your skill set because they're not going to hire a 6'1 blonde if you're a 5'6 redhead. You're a 5'6 redhead. There's a certain degree of acceptance, which you're talking about. We teach, we teach this about acceptance of who we are and getting comfortable with that and also our value system because the moment I try to change so that hopefully maybe this other group of people will like me as I move towards them, then the other group and their value system turn and look at me and go, oh, I don't really like them anymore. And so I, it, it's interesting because we're not going to appease every everybody in the world. Every I'm not going to get every job that I interview for. Um, every date isn't going to go great. And it really is about being comfortable with who we are and understanding what our values are and getting grounded. And when I'm grounded, um, I like to I like to use a, one of our teachings. I'll let this out is is we use helium balloons. One is just a helium balloon, not tied to anything, and one is tied to a rock on the ground. And you hit it, it falls over, but it comes back. And that's the visual or the analogy of someone who's grounded and someone who's not grounded. You hit the balloon and it flies all over the place, and it's a very difficult way to live. Uh, it's a horrible way to live. I, I mean, I again using. You're, since a lot of this is going to be predicated on sort of Hollywood and, and, you know, Dave, I'm from rural Tennessee and, and I appreciate the fact that people are both a bit enamored with Hollywood or and or stardom. Certainly the social media and digital uh, generation uh, has proven that with regards to all of the things and aspects of YouTube and social media. But I, a lot for me, at least using Hollywood as a premise has come down to the fact of, I believe it has a lot to do with how you were raised and how you define failure and how you define rejection. Because rejection and failure is not, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, not, it's not exclusive to Hollywood. Uh, you know, the first time you like somebody in your life or the first time you have a buddy who doesn't like you back, that's a form of rejection. And the first time that you try something, or at least as I did, you know, the first time, uh, you know, trying to ride a bicycle, uh, took the training wheels off, uh, I, I ran into a telephone pole. So, uh, and that should have been funnier. So, uh, because that's like, a true story. It, exp- it explains a lot, first of it all. It does, man. And they have, here's the other thing. <laughs> first time I rode a motorcycle, I popped the clutch and hit a tree as well. So, that's two trees and two things with two wheels. So, and yet I can ride both like the wind. So, um, you know, that's the point. Just because you hit the tree the first time doesn't mean you should stop. And I did not necessarily have, a, uh, first of all, I only had one parent. And my parent was not particularly, <laughs> shall we say, positive speak oriented. Um, but at some point you, you have to simply, I think, reshape how you define failure and rejection, because that's the only way you're going to be able to get through life in a healthy way, because you're always going to have someone dislike you. Someone's either going to dislike you because you don't have any money or someone will dislike you because you have money. Mm-hmm. It, doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Um, And so the way I do it in Hollywood is I just have them understand, listen, your product is a thousand percent unique. There's no one else like you. 
your only job as an actor is to do a good job when you're given the opportunity to go to a job interview, which we call an audition. Um, and your real job is not to get hired. Your real job, if they don't hire you, is for them to want to hang on to you because you were so good and call you in again. So you can metaphor or extrapolate that out into life um, because I, you know, I grew up in the Bible Belt, Dave, and, and I struggle with a lot of fundamental religion in a lot of ways. And I just adopted the philosophy a long time ago that my religion is behavior. I appreciate that people talk and we meet people initially and most of the time we meet people we go off of what they say and how they present themselves. I agree with that. But of course, the old cliche, actions speak louder than words. So my religion is behavior. And I think if you help teach someone to understand, they may not agree with somebody from a personality standpoint. You may not get along with everybody from a personality standpoint. This is part of my corporate keynote. The question is, do you have the ability, even if you don't get along with them, to at least look at their behavior and their character and judge them for that as opposed to personality because personality is how you occur. It's what you present. It's publicity. It's an image. Character is responsibility, integrity, and how you behave. So I try to talk that way coupled with also we're all our own product. And that's kind of how I work from what you brought up you know, about my book, the chapter, The Decision. Um, that's the decision you have to make in life, whether you're an actor or not is it's not just, you know, I, I, I chose the road less traveled by. It's also I, you know, I, I, you know, walk to the beat of a different drummer. No, we all just walk to our own beat. And if someone doesn't like, I have a lot of people who don't like me. And yet I've never done anything to them. And so I just have to accept, well, that's their issue. It's not mine. And go about my way. The decision that that chapter in the book of the seven deadly sins, uh, it's very, it, it, crosses over with our teachings here. We, we really focus on outcomes-oriented therapies and coaching here, which is uh, sometimes people struggle when they come to us because they're used to talking about their past and their trauma, what's happened before they've come. And from a neurological point of view, actually, that that's hardwires the trauma. So what we want to focus on is what you want and, and really getting turning people to focus on what you want Sounds a lot like what you've defined as the decision. Uh, it's a combination, yes. The, f the first point of the decision is to simply sit down with yourself quietly um, as a human being uh, versus theater. This is the big distinction in my book. When people come to Hollywood or they're trying to make a living at this, they tend to want to do that as what we would call an on-camera performer, whether that's commercials or whether that's film or whether that's television. It's it's not being a voiceover person who's in a booth in which a 45-year-old woman can sound 17 and book jobs playing, you know, voicing a high school girl. Uh, it usually is visual. So my first thing that I try to get people to do is decide I accept being bought and sold as a product, which does not have anything to do necessarily with who I am as a person. That's the bifurcation there. However, to your point, the air of the chapter of the book that you might glance at would be called areas of industry. And this was the, one of the first things that I dealt with in Hollywood when I started to build my organization and do this was actors would say things like this, Dave, and you can appreciate this because you have degrees and you understand the specificity of different categorizations of an expertise, no different than what type of doctor you are or what type of lawyer you are. Well, we have the same problem in Hollywood. The problem that exists in Hollywood is the fact that you would have people go, you know, I just want to do television. And I'd look back at them and I go, oh, you want to be a game show host? 
<laughs> and, and, and they would look at me like I was on crack. And I'm like, uh, no, the game show host is actually a union contractual job. And they would go, oh, well, that, that, no, I don't mean that. I go, oh, so you want to be, you want to do the news. And they would do the same thing. And I'm like, this is why the chapter in my book is called Areas of Industry, because in my profession, what Alex Trebek or Chuck Woolery does in terms of a game show host is not the same thing that someone does on Scandal on prime time. This is not, this is us. Then you have daytime television. You have all of these different categories of television, no different than you do as a doctor, a heart surgeon, a brain surgeon, a general practitioner versus, you know, law, probate law, corporate law, chapter 11, chapter seven law. And when I would start to break this down for actors, their eyes would just glaze over. <laughs> However, when I got them to understand, listen, Hollywood is overwhelming which is like life, Dave. It's the people you deal with and the folks you're trying to work with. Life overwhelms all of us. And I just would tell them, listen, stop trying to swallow all of Hollywood in your brain when you go to bed at night. Just pick out the two or three areas of industry that you really want. I'm using, that's why you asked the question about what they want. This is a long circle to that, but I didn't forget it. What you want to pursue versus what you'll accept if it comes your way. You know, I've had 46 agents and managers in my career. I would always go audition for daytime television, but I didn't actually spend any of my time pursuing daytime television. Reacting and accepting is different than planning and being proactive. And so that was basically the challenge that I've always had with my community um, because we're not particularly good at being self-starters to way to split up the difference between what you'll accept and what you want to go for. So that's how it would play in Hollywood land, as it used to be called, in terms of your comment about want. And, and I define that as boundaries. I mean, what I will accept, something that comes at me, I have to know my boundaries. Uh, I guess in your business is will a woman take her shirt off or not would be a boundary. Sure. Uh, I mean, we've had sure. that with, we've had that with models. We've had a New York model come to us. She's world, world famous, uh, arguably top 10 um, model who had issues in, in trouble with uh, saying no when she was uh, shooting. So she'd be, you know, first class overseas in Europe and they would bring something out that, you know, that was not in the contract and, and she didn't want to say no because she didn't want to be disliked. And she, and because of that, then she would leave the set and it would be a disaster because she, she had blown through her boundaries and, you know, she was known to be well easy to work with. No, it wasn't easy to work with. She didn't know what she would and wouldn't accept. Yeah. I mean, no one had ever, let's be, again, that's uh, for me, Dave, that scenario, first of all, is extraordinarily common. Second of all, kind of goes to how you define failure or rejection. Um, you know, the fear of not being successful or the fear of not being liked causes us to not stand our ground, for lack of a better phrase, but more notably to your point is how much we have even thought about it. I used to bring up nudity all the time because nudity is a part of entertainment. Um, I don't care who you are. There are, uh, don't give me it. When someone tries to throw religion at me about, about Hollywood, I have a really tough time with it. Um, I'm just talking about whatever your personal choices are. Um, and what your personal decisions are, because we do our best in Hollywood from a contract union standpoint to protect actors on set. 
that. Mm. But that has nothing to do, as I used to remind people, of actually shooting it. Because I've shot a couple of love scenes. Nobody wants to see with my clothes off day, by the way. No one. Um, <laughs> you and I've to, also you beat shot, me to that one. I was going there. Oh, no, no. Absolutely. Well, I even did a movie with uh, Bill Paxton, wonderful man, who tragically passed away a couple years ago. I did a scene with him as cops in taking a shower. So it was two dudes taking a shower. We're just cops after work, right? Like you would be as a football player. And his female partner burst into the locker room because she was mad at him. And I'm standing there naked. I had to shoot it like that with 40 people standing around. It was embarrassing. So that's the difference of talking to people about what you will or won't do. But the audition made it very clear ahead of time. When you shoot this, you're going to be naked. It's not going to be naked on camera on the final cut, but that's the difference of the experience of doing it. When it comes to girls and modeling, it's so normal and it's so accepted that you, I used to just tell people, ladies, you have to stop and think about this. What is your husband going to think when you spend time making out with somebody in a movie or on stage? It's like, what I try to get most people to do, Dave, is to put themselves in the position now before it happens. Actually cycle through and help yourself make decisions by actually considering something that you know your industry or something to be a part of. And nudity, first of all, is a part of life. Second of all, it's a part of all forms of entertainment. Um, so it's just something you have to address and you have to go, look, if, it's, if that's your line, I have no problem with it. But you are going to lose some jobs or not get some jobs because of it. And that's your personal choice. It's just be clear on why you chose it. That's all I, that's all I get people to do. So, Kevin, I, I want to talk in general terms and not, not about any one specific um, and uh, respect people's um, uh, privacy here. Uh, so I'm not asking for any, I know you're, you're inside in Hollywood and know everything about everything, but, <laughs> but uh, we actually have had so many people, so many of our clients believe their the end of their, the reason why they have anxiety, depression, the thing that they'd feel better if they had more stuff externally. And we talk about an inside out approach to feeling it's, it's an inward uh, or an intrinsic solution, not an extrinsic outward solution. We have people who have, uh, who have gotten very passionate would be a, a polite word about if uh, their family would just give them, you know, a hundred thousand dollars or $20,000, or if they would just get more likes on Facebook and be f famous or, or rich, they wouldn't have any problems. And yet we pick up and hear, you know, on the internet or wherever it is that people who are famous and do, who have, who have great wealth still struggle in their life. Can you, cause, cause this is a big deal. People think that this is the reason why they're not doing well. Can you speak to that? Well, I certainly can't speak it from the standpoint uh, for for a couple of things. Um, first and foremost, I've I've never achieved, you know, technically in terms of either fame or money, um, what I moved to California to achieve. So one, I could sit here and choose to say to you, Dave, I failed, uh, and yet. If you look at the macro of Hollywood going all the way back to the 20s and you take every single person that's ever wanted to get one line on a TV show, my resume and career, I probably fall in the top 2%. Now, I don't fall in the top 0.3%, which would be the millionaires. But uh, so I, I parse that out. So I think giving people perspective, that's a perspective statement that I just made. So that's a, that's a perspective statement. But in terms of the actual money element of it. I, unfortunately, we have lost so many terrifically successful, talented people. I can just say Philip Seymour Hoffman and, and Robin Williams would be the first two who come to mind right now. There's a long, long, long list of them. Um, yes. Do I, do I believe that money buys happiness? No. 
Do I believe it makes it easier to try and figure out what makes you happy? Sure. Um, but if you believe, you know, no different than the love of money is the root of all evil. If you want to, you know, use a, you know, a, a King James version of the Bible reference, um, money is only going to provide you with a certain lifestyle. And this is the irony in that, Dave, is because what money does do is it does change your lifestyle. And yet with that lifestyle comes an entire other set of responsibilities that you don't have when you don't have any money. And so the belief that you, your mind, your wiring, your psyche, your heart, your soul, your self-esteem, everything that makes us up as people is going to suddenly be just fine when you're in this new place uh, because you have money, uh, you know, is obviously, a, a, you know, it's a false narrative. Um, you, you have to still find, I believe at your core, you know, everyone's goal in life from the time you're 10 years old, and I'm saying, speaking to parents, I'm not speaking to the kids, is to figure out what really makes you happy for free. That you, what can you do for eight hours a day that makes you happy for free? And one of the things, because it's at the core, I just do it in different ways. One of the things that makes me happy is what I'm doing right now with you, Dave. You have provided that for me. Because for all that I've done and for all that I may get the opportunity still to do before I leave this mortal coil, um, a lot of what I enjoy is helping people with how they think about themselves or anything they're trying to attack, uh, whether it's a job, a skill set, or anything else. Uh, and it was my company that helped teach me that that's something that I really enjoy. But I think that's, I think that's what we start with is, and even if you can't do it eight hours a day, even if it's a hobby or a serious hobby, people have got to find something that they truly just enjoy doing with their time so they don't get lost doing something else destructive. So we had a young man who had a, um, a tattoo in his arm and a Occasionally, you'd see him look at his tattoo, and on his forearms, the left forearm, on the inside, it was WWBMD, and I'm not even going to get you to guess, WWBMD. Finally, said, "What is that? Well, why do you? What's that wait about?" A let me wait a second. Let me write it down. WWW. I'm a I'm a visual. WW. B is boy. M is Mary. D is dog. It's not a website, so there's no, no three I, it's W's. An, it's an acronym. Oh, I got it. Yeah. So when he was looking at things and, you know, learning about it or, or trying to explore his values and things like that, or relationships or going back to school or going to work, he'd look at this tattoo. What are you doing? It's not, the answer's not on your arm. He says, well, yeah, it is. What is it? What are you talking about? What would Bill Murray do? That's what it stood for. True story. And, and he swore by it. And when we began to explore that, he swore that he knew Bill Murray so well that he knew everything about Bill Murray's life, every tweet, every everything. And what I, because I've had some experience with people in uh, helping people from Hollywood, what I have learned, they have the same struggles as anybody else, but their brand is their name and their face or their body, whatever that, whatever that might be. And they manage their brand because in some cases it's worth millions and millions of dollars and they do a heck of a good job managing their brand and I had a hard time and my team had a really hard time helping him distinguish between a brand that might be somewhat fantasy versus the real Bill Murray it was crazy um, 
Yeah, absolutely. And, and I would just unfortunately say on the other side of that, Dave, the challenge is when you ask about Hollywood and anxiety and narcissism and, and the difference in money and having not having money, uh, I would tell you that the people who struggle and fail at it are the folks who may have been very successful, but unfortunately the necessity to have to either rise up to or continue the imagery or the brand that you have put forth and become successful with, obviously, is its own self um, the reason why you drag yourself down. Because, you know, that's, I, I did stand-up comedy, and I only did it briefly. Uh, I was pretty good. I was not terrific. I would have spent a lot more time doing it. But I simply made, once again, all the way back then, Dave, before I even knew I'd ever write this book, I made a decision one day that I simply did not want to go on the road 270 days out of the year and do stand-up to build a career. And that was a decision that I made because I simply didn't, I decided for a career, I didn't want to wake up every day with the pressure of trying to come up with funny. Now, I come up with funny all the time. At least it's funny in my head, of course. Um, but it was, that was just a decision. But sometimes things happen. People, quote-unquote, get discovered or they you know, suddenly trip over something and becomes a brand that's very successful. Or singers, we see this. I was born with a great voice, so I was in church and someone just said, you should go on this show. And I went on American Idol and now I'm a star. And I didn't really ask for any of this. And people get tired of, quote-unquote, the expectation, which goes back to my two things. How do you define failure? How do you define rejection? So... Um, I am going to always push myself. I am not a young man. Um, I will continue to, but part of how I push myself is just simply with the things that I would like to do. Um, but whether it's, uh, I, had a, I had someone ask me, this is, we're in 2019, the first time, and I was way older than I should have been, that somebody, uh, I had a financial advisor, he's talking to me one day and I wasn't really thinking about it because he was a friend of mine and it was a very casual conversation. And he looked at me and I was killing myself at this time in my life and I was getting nowhere. And he goes, why do you work? Now it's hard to believe that somebody could be, you know, in their late twenties, early thirties, and no one ever asked me that. And that question hit me so hard. I literally started crying in front of this man because I never had even stopped. Because I started working at 11 when I worked for my mother when I was a kid at her restaurant. I'd never stopped to ask myself what I was running towards. And I just started crying because I didn't have an answer to it. Well, I assure you I have an answer to it today. Um, and when you know what you would get up for, even if you weren't going to get paid for it, um, and it's truly what you want to do, then you probably have a pretty good disposition about how you define failure and rejection. You're talking about somebody's bliss and their bliss point. I mean, not only do I get up with passion, I can't wait to go to bed at night because the sooner it's like Christmas, because the sooner I go to bed and go to sleep, it's like, bam, the next day starts. Um, and, and I believe that that is, uh, at least for me personally, that's how I define that somebody is, is living their bliss. Yeah. And, and it got taken away from a lot of the people, self-included. I mean, you read my bio, I've, I've done a lot of different stuff. Now, I'm not going to ever say that I'm a jack of all trades and master of none. But typically, um, you know, if you actually want to win gold medals or you want to be Tom Brady or what, typically you, you can't do, you know, three or four different professions. You have to do one. You have to do it for a long time. Uh, I'm just kind of doing my life backwards. 
Um, I, I've done a lot of a lot of different things. However, in the last six years, since I physically closed the Actors Network as a brick and mortar organization, um, I have been in the process very late in life at basically etch-a-sketching away and refashioning my entire life, except for the on-camera actor part. I just got back from shooting Hawaii Five O, and you know that's still a part of my life that um, it, I remain very active with. But everything else that I do is only towards the very connected idea of my voice and what I can communicate to other people that will be something that helps make their life easier or better, whatever that means and whatever that looks like. So it took me a long time to finally start coming all the way back down from doing all of these different things and just kind of focus on one, which I do both in writing and speaking, which is just um, the message of how you understand yourself. Powerful. By the way, uh, congratulations. That's a nice location to have to go shoot in Hawaii. Yes. Well done. Well done. <laughs> and, and, uh, so, so, you know, sometimes I think that people in Hollywood get, do get a bad rap. Sometimes it's maybe it's a easy or, or low hanging fruit too, but I've also worked with people there that are, are incredibly disciplined and, and, and bring balance to their life. And, and I've seen people that, uh, you know, whether that's a commitment to understanding what they eat and, and their workout r- routines, again, taking care of managing their brand. Um, and I've seen people who are, who are uh, struggling with deep depression and anxiety and yet other people who are living their bliss. So it's not just people struggling. Oh, oh, God, no. Uh, I, I think there are a handful of pretty severe, and I do believe that I, I can speak to this. I've, yes, I, I was born in Phoenix, Arizona, and I, I, I grew up in a, a very couple of brief years in North Hollywood here. Uh, my mom was a singer, but um, she got a recording contract, and I, I did grow up in Tennessee, and I started my career in Atlanta. So I did spend my formative years in the rural South, and and then I've, but I've spent most of my life now in Southern California. And there are, uh, I can be honest with you, Dave, there are only two or three people that at least I've physically worked with as an actor that were the, what you would call the typical Hollywood jerk. Um, I've certainly met plenty of other people that in, are in other aspects of the industry, be them agents or managers or executives or whatever. Yes. I mean, every industry has what we would call their, you know, uh, standard sort of cocky, arrogant jerk type people. But in general, uh, I, Hollywood is is um, is a far more disciplined, far more professional, and uh, far more balanced place than than people realize it is. But it, you know, unfortunately, it is easy to poke fun at Hollywood because there are enough people here on a fairly regular basis, regardless of your politics, that um, you know that embarrass themselves with some of the things that they do. But in general, here. I've only ever wanted to punch three or four people directly in the nose. Okay, maybe it's six or seven. Uh, and that's just the Southern boy in me. Um, and that's pretty good for the amount of time that I've been here. All right. Well, with that, what we do here, Kevin, we're going we're gonna to change gears on you because what we do here with Emergle Radio, and Emergle is Latin, it means to emerge or to rise above. And so I'm, I'm going to make a commitment here of something that I'm going to do to emerge or rise above in my life, help my life rise up another notch. And tonight, um, I'm shutting down all technology 
uh, I'm, I'm driving back to the to the property uh, after this interview, and I'm going to shut down everything. I'm going off the grid for a few hours here tonight, and um, there's a book that I've got that I've wanted to read for a while. I want to connect with some other people that are special in my life. So that's what I'm doing. I'm just going to invest in myself, uh, slow down, and invest in my life. So that's what I'm committing to, to rise above. So I'm going to throw it to you. I know I didn't prep you on this. What do you commit to in the next 24 hours to rise above? In the next 24 hours to rise above, I'm going to commit to rising above, allowing anybody to catch me judging them because they are not doing what I feel they should do. Mm. And for me on a day-to-day basis, that's, that's a challenge on a day-to-day basis. But I, uh, next 24 hours, I will commit to, because I have a couple of things occurring as we speak in which you do the best you can to give everybody, the person, as much information and what they're supposed to do to, as Brian Cranston said in the movie Argo, do your job. Only he added a word in the middle of that. Um, and I will commit to rise above um, believing they're doing the best they can and just let them do it. You're talking about being judgment-free, and it's a beautiful thing to do. And it's a challenge. I live yeah. my life by the four agreements, and, and uh, those four <laughs> agreements on a day-to-day basis are tough. We, uh, it's one of our foundation pieces. It's one of the, it's either the first or second uh, uh, teaching class here because everything kind of begins from there and we move forward. So it's, it is a, if anybody's listening, the four agreements is a great book, easy read. Um, Hey, Kevin E. West, Kevin, how can people get a hold of you? Do you, do you want people to get all of you? <laughs> well, I'm pretty, I'm, well, I probably don't want any personal Facebook requests, uh, but uh, no, I'm, I'm pretty easy to find Dave. I'm, I'm on LinkedIn as Kevin E. West. Um, Twitter and Instagram is at the Kevin E. And if you are a performer, uh, you can find the Actors Network closed Facebook page uh, or just the Actors Network page. Um, there's also, I'm also on Instagram with that. So I'm, I'm actually pretty easy to find. Actors-network.com is, I still do privates uh, with people and, and I still, you can book them through that site or, or through KevinEWest.com. But um, I'm pretty easy to find. So thanks for hanging out with us here at Emergo Radio. And you can find us at Emergo Recovery. That's E-M-E-R-G-O recovery.com. Again, my name is Dave Kenny, and I've had the absolute pleasure to hang out with my friend, Kevin E. West. Kevin, thanks so much. Total pleasure, Dave. Thank you. In gratitude, we thank you for joining us on Emergo Radio, a place where you rise above with your hosts, Dave Kenny and Susan Kenny. Remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen and learn. Want more? You can reach us at emergoradio.com. That's E-M-E-R-G-O radio.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.